0: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Tech Podcast. I have been decluttering now and organizing now for what seems like many years. I need to go back and check at least to the start of this podcast. And I certainly have been working on it before that. So this is a multi-year journey for me. And interestingly enough, I had a dream last night. And I thought it was very telling So I'll share it here Basically I was driving my Dream car You know my favorite Car This That I do not own At the moment um, And That I do not own yet <laughs> uh, I have three cars That are my All time favorite cars One is a Early 2000s uh bmw three series coupe and the other is a i guess the second is what's called a bac mono which is a a monocoque like it's a single seater it's basically a race car technically you can drive it on the street but most people buy them to literally take them to the racetrack i mean that's where you're going to get the most sort of like real use out of it um and then the third, and these are not in order of um, which one I like the most. And, you know, I know some of you f- folks listening are not car people. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but if you feel like Googling these things, it's okay too. Um, or not. Because I wouldn't um, Google them. But Because I don't use Google. But the the last one is a, and this is the one that I was driving last night, in my dream, um, and it wasn't just, like, I was driving it, like, I, I clearly owned it, um, this is probably, I guess, probably, like, the first, sort of, dream car that I've had that's really stuck with me, um, and actually, like, this car, for whatever reason, I had a dream about it, and I had a, like, there's, there's a difference between, wanting something for the purpose of, I guess sort of just like purely like for status or for, um, you know, like people make, they finally make some money and then they go buy a really expensive car kind of a thing. Like, it's like. And a lot of those folks end up selling those cars, like, shortly after, right? They're the ones who, like, will go to the dealership, buy a brand new, really expensive car, and then realize it's too much maintenance, it's not for them, it's not practical, it doesn't bring them happiness and joy, and then they return it. For me, um, these... Well, for me, and then the other way that you can look at cars is, like, to truly actually have an appreciation for the experience of driving and that's what so so you start to look at the vehicle as like a piece of like engineering like just something that's really well engineered um things are put together in a way that serves the purpose which is like for these early bmws for example literally the company motto is to make the perfect driving machine Um, I think that's word for word, but um, something very similar if if I'm slightly off there. But to create the perfect driving machine. So if you look at these cars, you can tell that that's what their mission was. And because it's just how the cars handle, like literally, like if you're sitting in the car, your view is almost completely on, a, on a, unobstructed, like, certain cars you drive, and there'll be, like, a blind spot, right, like, if you look over your shoulder, like, there could be a vehicle that's, like, in, you know, sort of on your side a little bit back, um, but you wouldn't see them because you're in your blind spot, where it causes these issues, where, like, somebody tries to turn into a different lane, there's a car there, and then, you know, people beep and get angry at each other, which is a dangerous, actually, thing, but, um, this car, like, has no blind spots. Like, it's just... It's like the opposite. It's like, you can just look and see everything. <laughs> it's it's just amazing. And the way that the instrument cluster, like, exactly how it's positioned, or the way that the sort of climate control and radio is, like, slightly tilted toward the driver, you know, and it's just all within arm's length. So it's purposefully designed to be for everything to be exactly where it needs to be you know and there's just one little tiny thing about the engineering of these types of vehicles where they're just you know they're just purpose built i guess for this experience and i didn't know i didn't mean to make to go on about cars for too long but i figured i'll just take a quick detour here we'll get back to the minimalism stuff because it's all relevant um but the uh, the last or the first vehicle that um, was really really a, a dream car for me is the Ferrari 348. And they make a convertible and they make a non convertible version. And this is by the way this is like a Ferrari from the nineteen nineties, like the early nineties. I think they started making them in the late eighties and then stopped in the ninety two four or something like that. Um, and then I think it was replaced by the 355. Anyways, the point is, um, like, normally I think I want the hard top, but in my dream I actually had the convertible version. Um, you know, the potential downside from the convertible version is, like, there's less structure, because you don't, have, you literally don't have the top, so the structure could flex a little bit. Um, in the convertible a little bit more than the, but... You know, not a huge deal, um, but these are also like, to me, the modern supercar is just way too fast. Like, there's no, there's nothing about a modern day Ferrari or Lamborghini that I desire at all, because, you know, the the moment you like, step on the gas like even slightly, it's like. The thing is gone you know it's just ridiculously fast like if you if you're taking it to the racetrack i can understand it um but trying to drive that around on back roads or wherever and you know like you're not gonna be able to keep it under the speed limit like it's just if you're trying to push it at all like even just a tiny bit you know it's just gonna live above that so for me that's just not practical it's it's not the ultimate driving machine because it's maybe it's maybe it's you could say it's ultimate like track machine or something but you know i like something that i can take a sunday drive with like that's really like what where the joy is for me and so these older vehicles have less power than the new ones but they're still like very snappy and responsive and they give you a lot of like tactile feel like you know there's the just the driving and the noise and everything is like, sort of like purpose built for, to have a really great experience between, you know, 45 miles an hour and, and let's just say 60, right? Cause if you're going back roads, that's the limit. um You know, where you just don't, don't get that experience, that joy with the, with the newer high end um, vehicles. Right, like for example, like one of the vehicles that is really high end that I really do like is the Koenigsegg. So he's like Koenigsegg Regera and like Jesco. There's a few others that are just like this guy um, basically started a car company with his dad in um, I can't remember which country it was. Was it Finland? Probably getting that wrong. Um, I can't remember, but one of these countries, like out of the blue, he just—it was just like his dream to to create the best car ever, and and arguably he has, like arguably the Koenigsegg is is like the best car that you can have. But again, like the, the amount of power with it is just so like ferocious that it's like it seems. It just lacks practicality in terms of driving it, like, anywhere in real life, you know? Uh, It's, like, too good. Um, Even though I would say, like, that's more, like, purpose-built. Whereas, like, modern Ferraris, a lot of times it seems like, or Lamborghinis, it seems like it's more for the show than it is for the practical driving experience. So, anyways... Those are cars like that like the BAC mono is really like that would be if I had a membership to a the like right to go to racetracks and race. Like I would that's the one I would use. Um although even though, you know, the, the the three series is also like a super capable track driving experience, you know. It's just like there's just different classes of, of vehicles but B.C. Mono, if you ever see it, it's based on a Bjork video called All is Full of Love, where, if you know, like, like, Bjork is like basically like a machine. She's like an android in it, and she's like making out with another android in this video. It's it's really interesting video. All is Full of Love by Bjork. If you don't know Bjork, it's B-J-O-R-K. I believe. believe, um, worth a watch if you haven't seen that video. So, but the design aesthetic of that video was heavily leveraged to create this BAC Mono. So it just has this futuristic look and it's super lightweight. So even though it's like not, it doesn't have as much power technically as a lot of other vehicles, its power to weight ratio is like really good. Meaning it's so light that the power that it has, makes it really really fast um it's so light in fact like if you look at it for the front like you see like there's basically a, a ton of space in like sort of throughout the vehicle um including the newer versions that have like literally like a hole in the back of the headrest for air to go through <laughs> it's like you're sitting there's you're not you don't you don't open a door to get into that car you literally like jump into like you you have to jump into it the The cockpit really And and, like Gets sort of strapped in there And it's Like the wheel detaches The steering wheel detaches In order to get in and out It's It's All intents and purposes Like A race car Anyways There's my Tangent about cars And my three favorite cars Um And So in this dream I owned a, th- a 348 And it was a convertible Uh in this case And I was just It wasn't the sense of like Oh I want this thing It was it was clearly like that I owned it Like I clearly felt Not like a lack of like Oh I want this thing You know it was like no like I, I own this thing You know I, I've purchased it I own it I it's mine And uh so, I, uh, you know, and it didn't feel like f- some foreign thing. It was just like, this is my vehicle. And, you know, so I started up and excited about it. And I think I, I took it out of the driveway. And I went to the left out of the driveway. And maybe, you know, certainly less than a mile, even less than a quarter mile maybe, then I take this, I'm about to take this right-hand turn to get onto like the, you know, start to get onto like the main roads where I can pick up a little speed and that sort of thing. But there was papers that had, like a paper had flown out of my car. I had papers on the passenger seat floor that had flown out up and out of the car so I had to pull the car over and literally so I had to just stop the car get out walk over to this field where this paper had flown out of get the paper you know and get back to the car and I I walk around to the passenger door and there's papers like spilling out of the door sill (laughs) right like like when you close the door if like you get a seatbelt stuck or something every once in a while it was like that kind of thing there was like papers there and so like i grab those and i it's kind of a windy day and then i'm just like trying to get all the papers like from not flying out of this car and i recognize that they're like they're out of order they're not really like organized very well And they're, they're, um, yeah, so like I'm basically trying to put these, like organize these papers and there's just, they're just not, like I have to like, you know when you have too many papers and they're disorganized and you just end up throwing them all together, even though they don't belong together? Right, and you're not really helping the situation. You're just containing the situation, <laughs> like that. And I remember like wanting to open the trunk to put them in the trunk so that they wouldn't be in, you know, like where the air was. And it's like, if you know anything about these like Ferraris, like basically they're mid-engine, so the men- the engine is in basically like the back of the car, and they do have a small trunk. Um, they have a. a if, if I if I if I'm remembering correctly, I believe they do have a small trunk in the back, and they also have a, a front trunk. They call a frunk. But I was going to try to open the the trunk and uh, and put these in there, and it was just like, you know, I was parked too close to a building to or something to open the trunk, so I had to move the car forward, and it was just like the the lesson of this. With this long setup is just that I've been going through now and decluttering papers, Um, not just papers, but um, for some of you listening, I had I had an office space that I was renting and I basically sometime last year, I don't remember exactly when I decided to get rid of the office space. I was working from home and it wasn't i could have kept the office space but kind of having like going back and forth and i feel like i had a lot of stuff there and i had a lot of stuff in my house and i was going through this decluttering process and i had created enough space in my my house that like i could bring you know i could basically bring all the stuff from the my office space and set up like a home office and so that made me go through this entire decluttering process with my office space because you don't want to just bring everything back you know you want to go through things first and donate things and that whole process of sort of like moving you know so I went through that with my with my business and I, I really I did pare things down quite a bit I think I had I don't remember, three or four um, filing cabinets at the time. I now have basically no filing cabinets. So that was, you know, that, I mean, that's a huge, huge transition right there. Um, part of the reason I had multiple computers is um, because, you know, at the height of the business, there were some other folks working there, but then, you know, Everything plus the pandemic, it was just like, you know, I had extra stuff. Um, so basically, I went from having a house that was like pretty minimal, actually. Like I, I think I had kind of, kind of, oops, sorry, I think I had quite, a, kind of gotten to that point with the house. But then I brought all this business stuff in, and it was like immediately, immediate clutter. Um, you know, I remember one of the rooms and I, I wish I took a picture of it and maybe I did, I can't remember, but it was like, you know, you couldn't like in the middle of this room, there was like two tables, like stacked, you know, uh, sort of set up against each other and there was stuff on them and underneath them. And it was just stuff everywhere, everywhere. Um, and I had a couch in that room at one, at that point, it was just like, it went from like, still not the best. Cause I was still going through like home decluttering, but it wasn't that bad. And it went to like really bad, you know? Um, and it went that way for a couple of rooms. And so what I've been doing now is just, you know, I, I at least have, like, had one less space, one less physical space to worry about, so I only had to worry about this, um, you know, where I'm living, everything's all in, in the same place, basically, so, you know, I just continue to go through things that when I have time, and I was work, working full-time, and, but still, you know, finding some time to, to declutter, but kind of s- slowly here and there, and, you know, I had the podcast to to sort of document things and motivate things. And, um, and I finally gotten to the point where the room that was the worst after, um, you know, after all that, bringing everything home from the business is now almost the best room. Uh, it's, it's to the point where there's not no clutter, but it's very close it's very close. I have a whole um I have a sort of section of things I needed to actually donate now. Um you know, getting rid of those I got rid of two business chairs that were sitting in that room recently and, and that just like opened up it just like sort of reinvigorated me to to like go through this stuff again because I I now was able to move around the space you know i didn't i would not have to move a chair out of the way in order to get to things like everything is now accessible so it just made decluttering like way easier and um so so i you know and i have my work computers in there and i sort of i've built this application that i use um i'm thinking about maybe putting it online we'll see but it it works locally on my computer where I, I set aside just the videos that I I want to watch, and um, so that I don't have like access to typical YouTube and that sort of thing. You know, I don't have access to things I could just stream. It's just like I have a set list of videos I can watch, and that's it. And so, you know, put on a video and just have that in the background and just declutter. And man, I got a lot of stuff done, but it also is like, as I'm decluttering, I'm recognizing that a lot of the things that I owned or had created, like for the business, I had a lot of marketing material, you know, pamphlets, flyers, you know, business cards. Um, And then I also had even like physical things that I either planned on using for like marketing purposes, like a like a display piece, or something I was planning on selling. Like, I had a lot of variety of that stuff. Um, and it seemed like, not seemed like, it's just sort of the recognition of, of, I didn't need, how can I, I say this? The business was never focused enough ...on a single product or service. Not that you just need one for any particular business... ...but it just depends on what really makes sense for your specific business. And... ...like... ...essentially there was a lot of stuff I just didn't need. I just didn't need... ...a lot of it. Some of it was good. Like, you know, when I was selling a certain product... ...like those flyers came in in really handy... It's not like I handed out a ton of them. It was just more like, you know, when I'm talking to a customer, about what, what services and products we provide, and like having that thing that they can look at, at and look through is like helpful. It was helpful. Um, I think business cards wise, I don't know how many business cards I really used. You know, business cards are kind of a thing of like, they still exist and some people use them and it depends culturally i suppose like you know where you live how important the business card is here uh, you know i don't know people connect with each other on linkedin or uh, other places online it seems like it's less of a thing um but I, I you know i did i did carry and use business cards so they did come in handy um but i just have like way too many of them and even with this like the pamphlet thing it's the as the products and services evolve or like as I recognize like oh I need to not sell this and this I just need to sell this thing or focus on this thing then you know you need to change the pamphlet which means all of the pamphlets that you have are like obsolete <laughs> and you need to go and like print new ones and you know, all these things are like a lot of a process. So it starts to make you wonder, like, do you really need any of it at all? You know, and and sort of like, what do you really, really need? You know, there's plenty of people who survive just fine without business cards or pamphlets. Um, I had these standees that I could sort of set up, and um, they would show different products and services. I think a lot of these things were probably useful if my office space was a re, was more of a retail location. Um but my office space was really like not super accessible. It was like it was not like a, you know, retail place down on Main Street, you know. I think if I had that type of location, a lot of these things made a lot more sense. You know, cuz I had everything to basically Set up a, a retail store like I had large um, sort of like window-sized posters, like you know, I don't know what you call those, but like really big, um, I guess window signage. We'll just call it that. You know, I had I had products that I could put on display so the customers could like look at the stuff while they're waiting or walking around the store. Um, you know, all those standees would be good to like sort of place them around the store to sort of educate customers on what we can provide. So I think for maybe like a different sort of, um, if I had gone the retail route, a lot of the extra stuff I had made sense, but, um, but still I don't know you you gotta be i don't know it's there's still like a need for focus, i suppose it um i don't know it's just interesting to think about that, but uh I don't know the area that I live in is never it was never gonna be like a high traffic kind of place, you know it's kind of a small townish place um I would need to be in a in a more populated area. To have that you know proper proper business set up that way, I, th- I think. I mean, it could be. I mean, as I'm thinking through this, I'm like realizing that there's some stuff there. Anyways, without context, this might be extremely frustrating to listen to. <laughs> so I apologize. I'm sort of thinking through this as I'm going. Um. But also, like you know, my additional computers, like you know, made sense to keep those if I have retail space and I'm, I'm going to need more than one computer. You know for other people that are going to be coming in and out To work there So um, You know there's uh, But I never quite moved into a retail space I think I was sort of I felt like I was gearing up towards it And taking baby steps towards it I had an eye I actually had my eye on a, a Floor level Space that was like Not It was technically retail But it was kind of like, if you imagine, like, a, I don't know, a mall or something. Um, or, I don't know how you could describe it. But I guess you just imagine, like, a mall, and then maybe there's a store that's, like, in, like, the back area somewhere. Like, you know, it's not, like, a high-traffic area. It's, like, a lower-traffic area, but it's still on the fir- at the main floor. So, you know, people can stumble their way out you know, into it. So I had plans of doing that. And, uh, but, you know, COVID and just never got to that. So, so anyways, regardless of retail space or not, the, the amount of stuff and clutter that I did accumulate and that, you know, it's so easy to accumulate It's just smacking me in my face right now Because it feels like the I guess the metaphor of this dream is really about You know, the The clutter that I still have is, Is what is holding me back from going fast You know, or sort of living my dream, if you will And I do feel that that's the case Um, I feel that way because, especially me as only one person, like I can only do so much work. So I can't, you know, if I had, (laughs) you know, several other people that were like, wanted to do do the business with me and were willing to put in the amount of effort and energy that I did, could be a completely different story. But I don't have that. You know, it's just me. Um, and so just being me, I have to be, I have to let a lot of stuff go, you know, I just can't, if there's like three or five different projects, you know, that I could potentially be working on and all of them potentially make sense on their own, it's like, well, I only really have time to do great at maybe one of, one of them or two of them, maybe, you know, so part of my decluttering now is, is going through that with that sort of frame of mind. Um, where you know if someone ever ever really did get involved besides myself, then you know buying a new computer or or new getting me some new marketing material like those things are not impossible you know those are definitely doable things um and uh so it's like you know getting rid of them now will create the efficiency that's necessary and if if things were to grow, then it can deal with it at that point, you know, so so I'm going through this now with like this new level of focus uh of of getting rid of more things and recognizing how much of this stuff I just I just didn't need or just didn't need right now because one of the mistakes that you can make when that it creates a lot of clutter is you get things that you don't that you're not ready for yet, but you could see logically that you would want it at some point in the future and the problem with that is that that when you get to the future the thing that you've already purchased that's been sitting there taking up space forever may not actually be exactly what you need it may be very close to what you need it may be you may have thought that that's what you need but actually you need a different version of it right like i had a i had literally this this you know part of my my system was um like point of sale related so i had this cash drawer that i had set up that i needed to build into my program so that when a sale was made online it would you know it could pop the cash drawer so like you know if you if you were using an iPad or some, you know or, or a computer as a point of sale, if someone paid cash, you need to be able to ring them out properly. And oh, so I had this freaking cash drawer sitting there for, I mean, God, it's been like, it, I've had the thing for well over a year. Okay, well over a year. I'm just going to say a few years probably at this point. And which is embarrassing to even say. So I'm finally, like, decluttering, 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 and I'm like, okay, well, maybe now I have finally time to hook up this thing and get it programmed up so that it does what it's supposed to do, and it works the way it's supposed to work, and then I realized that the <laughs> the way you set these up is you hook them up, like, through a, a printer, because the printer's connected to the internet, and then the drawer is connected to the printer so that... The, the, you know the the command comes in through the internet to the printer and then it, it gets passed into connected devices in this case the cash drawer so <laughs> the, basically the printer that i have and the cash drawer i have are not compatible <laughs> like or at the very least i don't have the right cable to connect the drawer to the um printer and the other part of it is that if I'm going to sell these things in like a package like I wouldn't necessarily use that printer because it's a quite expensive printer and I wouldn't necessarily use that cash or either because of you know the cables that are included in it so it was like yes I finally I wanted to get to this point where I could build the sys you know complete this part of the system that I was building and I had kept these things so that I can get to that point. And then I realized, oh, these models are not the right model <laughs> that I would use anyways. And then it's like, well, I had built this whole e-commerce thing. And it's like, do I really need the printer? Do I really need the cash drawer? What are these things do I really need into the system? Like, you know, this is this is where it gets really good to have um like a vertical market that you're targeting because it's like you know if i'm only if i'm going to focus my businesses on creating these systems specifically for like let's say like um use car dealerships to continue with like the car theme right that maybe have a um And maybe they they either have a repair shop included or they don't, you know, so sort of picking one to start with and then building a system around exactly what they need. So then, you know, okay, well, we definitely need a cash or we definitely don't. Right. It's like which things do we need at what point Um, when I was building something that was more sort of general because I had been working with many different types of businesses up until that point so i could see what the needs of many different types of businesses were and so i was building a system like based on that and um you know (laughs) it's a it's a whole thing i think because i feel like there's a certain amount of business fundamentals that i was was trying to master also and build systems that that sort of complement and assist with those challenging processes like I wanted to take all of the business consulting experience that I had and put it into this application. And, um, you know, it's just like, so, so the thing is anyway, so even if I decide like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, you know, but these are things I need to think through first now, like before I go out and buy certain things or whatever, like, you know, I wanna think a little bit more about like, okay, what's, what is the ideal situation here? what is my vertical market here? Who Who is my ideal customer here? So that I can have a, you know, because once you have an ideal customer, it just, it helps so much in so many ways because then then you can say no to some customers. Like I remember one time I had a customer, I, I, I signed up like a bowling alley customer, right? Sort of randomly, someone you knew somebody, they knew that I provided certain like merchant services and I got connected with them and, you know, helped them with their with their credit card processing. But ultimately, like, I don't know the bowling alley business that well, you know? There's certain systems in place that make sense for that environment. Like, you could just focus on the bar, like they had a bar, and build something really great for the bar, which is, like, bar, you know, drinks plus, like, bar food, you know? But then... The system needs to be able to sell people, like, access to the bowling alleys themselves, right? So if somebody's bowling, and then you need to be able to, like, sell them for however that works. You know, which lane and how many people. And then if they're... they're, Because if they're sitting at the bowling lanes, and then maybe they have a tab... they want to order some more drinks or some more food while they're i don't know if they make a rule of like if you can you can only eat outside of the bowling area area but there's like seats right behind there so people you know get food and so it's like a matter of like can they keep everything on the same tab you know um and without thinking about that in advance like that's can be difficult or impossible to build into a system like that right and so i'm like you know maybe it's worth focusing on bowling alleys and as a vertical market but for me like that's not even something that was on my radar so it's like ultimately like, i can help the customer but i can't help them as much as i could if i was focused on their business model you know um and so that's where like i think part of the des- desire and decluttering process for me the business is also like to have more focus on on an ideal customer so uh, you know i ended up getting i understood that that was a thing after i had gotten all these random different types of clients from bowling alleys to you know to retail stores to nightclubs and bars to uh, breweries and pizza shops and Restaurants and used car dealerships and you know like motorcycle training centers and all all sorts of variety, which which in in a way was really great for me because a I was able to help them in some way, but b oh and you real I had real estate companies. I mean, gee, that's variety is insane, um, really insane. It was great to to get a view into those businesses and to help them as much as I could. And and but ultimately, it's like I think one of the things I really recognize is like I don't know. There's certain things that I I liked more than others. Certain businesses that I liked more than others, just just based on like sort of operational needs. Um. Like, for example, one of the things I really liked was um, I I really liked certain retail stores that focused on a single product category. Right. So even if they had, um, you know, 100 different SKUs, like 100 different products they were selling, they're all, you know, the same. Type of product is different, sort of flavors, right? Like, for example, like if you think of like a liquor store or something, it's all the same type of product. It's just, but there's many different skews. So the process is sort of like it's just, I love that because it's just like the ability to be organized is really, really high because you have, you know, your different, we'll just call them flavors. And so you have different sections. And then so you can sort of like physically organize the layout of the store. Um, And then also like you decide you have shelf space. And you sort of dedicate a certain amount of shelf space to particular products based on how much they sell. Right? So like you have more product space for things that are high selling items. And you have less for things that don't sell as much. And... You can start to see, like, you can just easily sort of calculate, like, okay, here's the cost for these items, and also, like, there may be like minimum order sizes and things, so that plays into shelf space and stuff too, and it also can play into like how much space you need to keep in sort of the back area um, as you're sort of processing product as it's coming in, and you know you have your costs and you have your sort of your sale price so you can calculate your margin and you can calculate your margin based on like like if you wanted to sometimes they have sales right for when you buy products so like you might buy a product you weren't expecting to buy because there's a higher margin on that so you know this is where like a lot of like in-store displays and things come about because you you know, there's a product that if you purchase it now, you're going to get it at a significant discount. You can have a higher margin, so it might be worth having like a a standy, you know, sort of like display at the front of the store where more people are going to see it. And ideally, like you can sell more of those items quickly and 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 you know recoup that sort of higher margin. Um, so it's a very like focused, controlled environment you know, not just retail but like retail with a very specific product in mind um i like that quite a bit and then because you, then you, you're you just looking at reports of like to see how many, how long certain products are staying in inventory and you know making sure you're turning over the your product um and then making adjustments you know based on wherever you your store is located your customers may have different um tastes you know literally so it's like starting to cater to the to your customer base more understanding that and building that out and it's really quite interesting i mean it, it didn't have an e-commerce uh at least the customers that i dealt with did not have e-commerce uh, set up but they did have delivery at least one of them which was quite interesting because that's a whole another thing um that's one of the things i was able to help them with was like have a system that Works in the store, but also has like a tablet that you can take with you. The driver could take with them. It's connected to the internet. And basically functions the same, where you can process a sale at someone's doorstep. And that the inventory stays stays, uh, correct, you know. So... You know, and as well as like tracking the, you know, who's the employee that sold it, yada yada yada. It's like I really quite enjoyed that process, I think, quite a bit. Um and uh you know, if you throw away the sort of moral implications of that type of business and just look at it from like a you know, the functionality standpoint, I guess, it's like I, I do quite like that business because it's how focused it is. Um you know, I'm not sure if I could do it because of, you know, there are some like, you know, if you're in a business like that, you're going to run into some people who are unfortunately like alcoholics, for for example, you know, and I feel like that's a really difficult decision to make. You know, like, I, you know, I'm sure there's like rules and regulations around that, but I think every probably liquor store that exists probably can easily admit to the fact that like there's people who purchase from them on a regular basis that that probably have a very serious problem you know and you know and so i I don't know how different stores address that kind of thing so that's what i mean like the moral implications of that type of business are a little bit tough you know i'm not sure if i could handle that part of it i think that um Maybe if you focused on more of like, you know, wine, like higher-end wines, for example, then you you might be able to avoid that because generally I feel like folks that come in and in that generally have a problem are, are more getting like the the cheaper, you know, as much as they can just get for their money kind of thing. Whereas if maybe you got a high-end wine shop, you're going to avoid a lot of that, right? Because those, those folks, unless they just have... You know, unlimited funds, so you probably might still run into those people. Um, but uh maybe there's a little less likelihood of that. So that's kind of interesting. That's I mean, that's sort of like a micro high-end wine place. I don't know. Anyways, I'm I'm really getting off on a tangent here, but like, but you can see like the thought process of like. I basically went out after consulting and, and selling a bunch of point-of-sale systems and different things and decided, like, oh, I think I can build one of these things on my own that's better, and I wouldn't have to, like, rely on some other company providing this stuff. And um, and I was able to build out a lot of it, uh, but I wasn't able to finish and I think part of the reason what I wasn't able to finish is not just COVID, but I think it was just a lack of um, focus in terms of like administrating that business. You know, like I said, like, it's like you're building the product at the same time you're creating the marketing material. I mean, that's, that's really tough. You know, because then you're going to have to change the marketing material anyways. So it's like almost like double work. So it, so a lot of what I'm going through now is like getting rid of the marketing material. Getting rid of some of the products that were that don't actually fit, you know, and as I'm doing that, things are getting more and more and more um not just decluttered, but it's like if I'm going to sit down and work on this there's a big difference between me working on one product and service, or me working on multiple. Because when I'm working on multiple, then I'm like, you know, each day becomes a question of like, well, what are you going to work on this day? You know, and nothing gets like the full attention that it needs to really break through. And in in order to break through, what it really is all about, I think, is just is so that like, you know who your customers are you know you you have like so when you're you're creating things and when you're improving things it's because of your customer feedback you know and i just recognize like i can't do restaurants and auto auto repair centers and real estate places you know and retail places at the same time like i just can't provide them all with a great experience all at the same time so I started to let go of a lot of those customers and and really just like pare them down to the point where it's almost like it might make more sense for me to just create my own retail business or whatever business I'm so that I can test out this application fully before I allow other customers in. And that's sort of where I I sort of ended up, but I I ended up there But then, like mentally, but still had all the clutter of the stuff and the paperwork and the yada, 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 yada. So now I'm just going through the stuff and the paperwork and the yada, 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 yada. yada, Just to get down to the point where I can just start to work. And as I'm I'm decluttering, I'm trying to make a final decision on the ideal customer type. So that I can focus on one customer type. That's it. You know, because I can see, I can see, like, success where it means something. Like, it doesn't just mean that you have paying customers and you have a certain amount of paying customers. Because you also have to recognize, like, you do have to have a plan in place in advance, in in my opinion. Like, if you're going to sell soap, for example, you got to know how many how many bars of soap do you got to sell to make x amount of dollars in profit you know and then so then that drastically changes like how you're going to orient your business or if you're going to just sell this piece of software to other businesses how many how much money do they need to spend every month and how many customers do you need to have to to you can get to a point where you're really you know, comfortable, and you can just focus on growing the business, and it's like, it's, it's a different mindset of like, it's not because you're just you're you're focused on the money, it's almost like focusing on the money makes it harder, at least for me, like for me, what makes sense is like, okay, if I have a, a, a vertical market, which isn't this is just a term which means like. I work with these types of businesses. Right, let's say I take car you know, used car dealerships or, or um I mean there's so many options, but let's say I, I do that like it's like am I building tools for them that are really useful for them? You know, the people that go into that business and work on a day-to-day basis, who are they? What is their role? and what do they need and 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 am i creating something that's actually helping them you know there's some area of frustration that like now they don't have to deal with because of some solution i've now built into the software and knowing that you're in a scalable vertical market when you build that then you build that for all of your other customers so the more the, the more cool stuff that you can build for the very specific market or you know customer type the happier all the customers become and then then they become advocates and then they start telling their friends like hey actually i use this piece of software here and it's just really good man it's like does this this and this and i have this you know this guy that you know you know he listens to the things that we need and like sooner or later that stuff just shows up and keeps getting better and better and better you know that's sort of like the ideal place I want to be in and um, I think for me I just really struggled to identify the vertical market that made the most sense and I still haven't quite made that decision and that's where I am stuck I think so I'm just continuing to declutter, and hopefully that will, like, avail itself where I recognize, like, oh, I really want to be focused on this type of business. Because ha- I've built a product that's, like, designed to scale. I could easily have a thousand customers on my on my software ap- application, like, no problem. From a technical standpoint, like, it, it will handle it. It will scale. I built a scalable product. And, uh, but, but you can't be scaling in multiple directions at once and you're going to fall over, (laughs) you know? So, yeah. And, uh, so if I can't figure this out and declutter to the point, then I'm I'm not going to go fast, you know? And it's like, literally, I'm not going to have that, (laughs) my dream car, like, because of uh, this sort of like clutter. So Wish me luck as I as I really get deep now into the decluttering de- process. I mean, I'm really I'm really into it. Things are starting to look like actual minimal spaces after a long time of working at this. And it ain't just about the space, it's about the intention. And so Yeah, wish me luck. Cheers.